So we've reached the end of our Women of Christmas series, looking at the different women in the Christmas stories. And I wanted to go back and show you the pieces of artwork that we've used throughout this series to show who these different ladies are. The first piece of artwork takes us back to those women who were in Matthew chapter 1, the background family of Jesus, the genealogy there, where you have Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, ladies who are not a part of the inside crowd. Uh, to use Susan's story, they didn't grow up in church. They don't necessarily have the right pedigree, and yet they are brought in as part of the story of God's plan of salvation that, that will lead to Jesus. And then last week, we talked about Elizabeth and Anna, and we used this beautiful piece of artwork about the meeting between Mary and the older Elizabeth, and Elizabeth and Anna being these older characters in the story who have been through a lot of heartache in their life, but they know what it is to wait on the Lord, and just the wisdom of having older people in our lives to show us what it looks like to live for the Lord. This morning, we have the story of Mary. I want to show you this very famous piece of artwork related to the story of Mary. And what you have in this artwork is you have Mary, pregnant with Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, reaching out and comforting Eve. So you think about the beginning of the scripture story and the pain and the brokenness that you see there with Eve and sin coming into the world. And yet there was that promise in Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman, the one who would come, would crush the head of the serpent. And there's Mary, not herself the Savior, but carrying the Savior with her foot on the serpent, showing the sign, Eve, don't worry, the Savior has come. Sin and death have been defeated. There's hope and salvation. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's look at the story of Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now this concept of, of Mary and, and the virgin birth that, that would come, her age, Mary's age, there's a little bit of debate about this among scholars, but we have to remember that in this story, Mary is exceptionally young. Uh, could be as young as 13, maybe up until later teenage, but because of what we know of the culture of the time, for her to be engaged or betrothed to, to Joseph at this time, she's very likely right there in the middle of her teenage years. Her story contrasts with Elizabeth and Anna that we saw last year, or, or last week, Seems like a year ago, but last week, Elizabeth and Anna, who are much older, here you have Mary. When we think about Mary's story, and we think about God at work among those who are younger, I want to show you a screen that I passed over just a second ago, but, but it's some characteristics of the younger generation that is growing up today. Uh, the generation that is from the ages of nine, so we're talking about contemporary life now, nine years old to 24 years old is often called Gen Z, Generation Z. And a group that I really trust and respect and appreciate, uh, Fuller Youth Institute that does a lot of work on parents helping to raise their kids in the Lord and youth ministry and things like that, they did studies with Gen Z trying to figure out what characteristics describe this generation. 
And they did thousands and thousands of interviews with kids and came back to three characteristics describing the current generation of kids who are growing up. This is the most anxious generation that has ever been studied. The statistics about anxiety and depression are off the charts. And since the pandemic started, anxiety has tripled and depression has quadrupled in studies among Generation Z. These kids that are coming up, and you can trace back the anxiety studies, and the numbers escalate when smartphones and social media emerges. And I know we kind of pick on that as older people, and we, we pick on social media and smartphones, but the numbers don't lie. That is the turning point and when anxiety and depression just goes off the chart. And this generation that's coming up, they would be willing to tell you. They live with incredible anxiety and uncertainty about the future. It's just something that characterizes this generation more than any generation that has ever been studied. This generation, though, is extremely adaptable. They're resilient. They want to serve others. They're creative in a way that other generations haven't necessarily been. Even though they live with a lot of anxiety, they are incredibly adaptable. They're not giving up. They're going to find a way to move forward with life. And the last thing is, this is the most diverse generation that we've ever seen come up in, in our world. A generation that doesn't struggle living with people who are different than them. Uh, they're the generation that will come up in our country when, in terms of white versus non-white, goes over a 50% break there, that you have more non-white kids growing up in Generation Z than you do white kids. And our kids, by and large, don't struggle with that. That's just the world they've grown up in. They love people who are different than them. This idea that I have to have friends around me that are all the same as me, this generation is completely upending that idea. So you have an anxious generation who refuse to give up, they're going to serve, they're going to be adaptable, and they know what it is to love and care for people who are different than them. Now I say that because in the Bible story this morning, we have Mary, young Mary, and I want you to watch how Mary's story in Luke 1 follows a pattern like that. Look in verse 28. What does God's word say to this reality, this generation that's growing up? He came to her. This angel came to her in verse 28 and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now this is ironic because she is going to carry God with you. She is going to carry Emmanuel, the one who will come and be God with us. The angel comes and says, The Lord is with you. Don't be, don't be concerned. Don't be afraid. Verse, verse 29, She was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Can I ask you this morning, what are you anxious about? What are you troubled about internally? Uh, what's going on in your life that you're trying to discern? You're trying to figure out, God, what are you doing here? What, what's going on in this situation? Because just like Mary is troubled and trying to discern what's going on, we live in a world where people are troubled, they're anxious, they're uncertain about the future. They're trying to figure out what's happening around them. They're trying to figure out what's happening in their lives. She's facing this reality. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to respond. Verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This contrasts completely with Mary's own situation. She's not from what would be considered a great and famous family. She doesn't know what it is to have royalty that she understands, and yet the one who will come from her will have all of these things. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now look what happens in verse 34. In verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now when you read Luke chapter one in your Bible, let me give you a little clue on, on, on following what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna watch Mary's story develop by what she says, because Mary, different times is gonna be spoken to and then she's going to respond. And Mary's responses to what happens, the words that she says, those words, they become the structure for how the story plays out in Luke chapter one. And so here first in verse 34, you have her having this question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? An honest question, how is this child going to come when I have not been with a man yet? Now, she's not doubting God in this situation. She's not wondering if it's gonna happen. She's just wondering, how is this going to happen? What's gonna happen in this situation? Which brings us, because this is the first thing Mary says, it brings us to our first point. The first point I want you to see in Mary's story this morning is what it means to confront anxiety in your life. Mary is faced with a situation that is going to bring incredible shame and embarrassment to her. You may have been faced with a situation that you thought, if this information gets out, it's gonna cause incredible embarrassment to my life, to my family, to the people around me. She has anxiety about the circumstances. She's troubled. She's trying to figure out what's going on here. She's overwhelmed by, by what happens in, in her life. And many of you have been there. <laughs> you know that anxiety that comes when the circumstances around you see completely out of control. God, what's going on? I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. All this uncertainty about what's going on around you. Can I give you a little direction on that when that time comes? When you feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, remind yourself that you're also overwhelmed by a great and good and wise and loving God. God, I feel overwhelmed by what's happening in life, but you are more overwhelming. <laughs> you are greater still. You are the one who is the most high. You are the one who is in control of all things. Your kingdom will never end. The situation that I'm facing right now in life that's causing so much anxiety and uncertainty in my life, that's going to end, but your kingdom will never end. Everything around me seems to be falling apart, but you hold all things together. You are good and wise and I trust you. When you're in Mary's situation and you're confronting anxiety, be reminded, be reminded that God's goodness is overwhelming. God's goodness will not change. God's goodness will see you through whatever you're facing. Verse 35, the angel answered her. So Mary, Mary asked this question, hey, how's this gonna happen? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow, overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is a great verse. There's so many little things happening in the background of this verse. The answer to Mary's question, how is this going to happen, is it's going to be a work that only God can do. It's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Here's something to catch. 
at the very beginning of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, when things are created, it says that the Spirit of God is hovering over the deep, and this creation is going to come from the Word of God and the power of God's Spirit. When God brings his new creation through Jesus, how does he bring it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse is meant to link the birth of Jesus back to the birth of creation. The Holy Spirit of God was the only one who was able to make happen the creation of all we see around us. The same Holy Spirit is the one who will bring the miraculous birth of Jesus into the world as the new creation comes, as salvation comes, as all things are made new. This is the work that only God's Spirit can do. And it says here that the Holy Spirit, the power of God, will overshadow you. That word, the other place it's used in the Gospels, is in the story that we call the transfiguration. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that word, transfiguration, it's a story from the Gospels where Jesus goes up on a mountain and he takes some of his disciples with him and he reveals to them his glory, who he truly is, all that it's going to mean that he has come to earth. And then it says that a cloud descends on the mountain and overshadows them. That word is the same word that is used here. That when God reveals his plans, when he reveals his purposes and his glory to his people, he overshadows his people. The same thing that's going to happen to Mary is the same thing that's going to happen to the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. They begin to see the plans of God revealed, see what God is up to in these situations. Verse 36, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. I know that's a simple idea, but it is a good verse to underline. <laughs> nothing is impossible with God. Mary, you can believe that God is able to do this in your life because he's done this for your relative Elizabeth. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, ding, 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 there's your clue. <laughs> Here's the second thing that Mary said. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Point number two. Mary knew how to adapt, how to act in faith. So she confronts her anxiety. God, I have no idea what you're up to. I don't know what's going on in this situation. How's this going to happen? And she turns around, the very next thing she says is, I'm your servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. God, I believe you. I trust you. Friends, as we work our way through lives, work our way through life, what we desperately need is to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To realize what it is for God to be at work in our lives, for what it is for God to transform our lives from the inside out, what it is for God to empower us to be able to serve others. The thing that is going to allow Mary to move forward in her life is not just believing in her head what she's grown up learning. What Mary needs to do is experience the power of God in her life. As you think about our students growing up, they can grow up hearing all the stories, all the Bible stories, all this information about church. The thing that allows us to endure in faith is when we know it is true in our own life. You think about your story, your experience. You knew the Bible stories, <laughs> you knew the Bible stories, 
But think about how your life changes when you really know the Bible stories. When you really experience the Holy Spirit of God doing in your life what only he can do. When that happens, that gives you resiliency, that gives you endurance, that gives you strength, that gives you direction in life. That allows you to say, God, all I want to do is serve you. You go from feeling an obligation to show up to church to, God, all I want to do is serve you. Whatever that looks like, nothing to prove, no one to impress, just Jesus to serve. I just want to be your servant. Skip down a little bit in in the story. Mary is going to visit with Elizabeth and and have these interactions, and Elizabeth is going to speak to her uh, about her own experience. And then look down in verse 46. Mary said, Ding, ding, ding. Third time Mary has spoken in the story. It's the structure for how Luke 1 works. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. So remember this pattern that that we've seen so far in the way that the interaction, Mary's growth that's happening in her life. The first time, she's completely silent. (laughs) Like she's just, she's troubled, she's anxious, she's terrified, she's trying to figure out what's going on in her life. She doesn't have anything to say. Then she has a question. How's this gonna happen? Like, what's what's going on here, God? Then she has a confession of faith. I believe. I, I just want to be your servant. And now she's worshiping God. She's celebrating, she's praising. Think about how this looks like spiritual growth in our own life. We go from silent, what's going on in my life, God, what are you up to, to asking questions, huh? I'm not sure I understand, I'm trying to figure this out, to a confession, I believe, and then your life explodes with praise because you see what God is doing and you see how good God is and you grow to know his character and you become connected with his mission and you begin to love the people of God and your life has gone from questions to confession to celebration of praise. And and we see this praise that's happening here in these verses. My soul magnifies the Lord. This is that famous Latin word, magnificat. It's that famous Mary song that she is sharing with the world about what God's doing in her life. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? Because I am an incredible teenage girl. No, (laughs) no. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary's ability to be used in the plan of God came back to the simple fact that she was available to the Lord and her humble estate is not just about her personality, it's about her social standing. Mary brings nothing to the picture here. She doesn't come with great wealth, she doesn't come with great prestige, she doesn't come with awesome Instagram influencer ability, she doesn't come with any of those things. But she realizes that her only hope is in the power of God. Verse 48, middle of verse 48, Mary says, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. You can divide Mary's song into two parts. The first part, up to verse 50 there, is about God's character. The second half of Mary's song is about God's actions, what he does in the world. So the first half of Mary's song, she's talking about the greatness of God, his holiness, 
his power. Verse 50, she talks about his mercy toward those who fear him, trust in him, believe him, worship him. And then in verse 51, it turns around to what God does in the world. Verse 51, God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Now when you read that verse, it sounds like it's just talking about what God has done in the past. When you see that reference in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm, that reference almost always in the Old Testament goes back to the Exodus story. So the reference here, what Mary is doing, is she is connecting back to the Exodus story about God's strong arm to rescue his people from slavery, to rescue his people from sin and death. Except the way the language is set up here is it's not just about what God has done in the past, it's also about what God is going to continue to do in the future. So when you see the actions of God laid out here in the second half of Mary's song, don't just think about the Old Testament, Think about what God is going to do through Jesus, and think about what God is going to continue to do in the future, that with his right arm, he continues to rescue people. He continues to save them. He scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. You might have heard that God opposes the proud and exalts and raises up the humble. That the way that God's kingdom works in the world is those who seem mighty, those who seem powerful, those who seem to have it all together, who are proud in their own hearts, they're opposed to the kingdom of God. But those who realize their need, like Susan was saying, when you realize your need for the Lord, when you realize your humble estate that God, there's no way I can rescue myself, you're in a perfect position to experience the kingdom of God. Verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Very similar to how Jesus is going to interact with people in his ministry. Verse 54, God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Now Mary's song here is incredible because what she is doing is she is worshiping God for the way his kingdom reflects humility and diversity in the world. Anxiety, adaptability, diversity. Generation Z, growing up, anxiety, adaptability, diversity. Mary's story, she confronts her anxiety. God, I trust you in the middle of this situation I don't understand. Adaptability, I still wanna serve you. I'm not gonna give up, I know you're at work here, Diversity, God, your kingdom has never been about those who are proud and mighty in this world. Your kingdom has always been about those who are humble, those who are considered outsiders. The generation Z that is coming up right now, our teenagers, our kids, they've seen what corrupt government and economic power looks like. They've seen the results of hypocritical religious leaders, they know what it looks like to grow up in that kind of world. And in a really incredible way in God's kingdom and God's plans, God is raising up a generation who is able to teach the rest of us what it is to connect with people who aren't always like us, who don't look like us, act like us, come in the same background as us. The most diverse generation in history 
is growing up in a time when the church of God needs revival like it's never needed before. And we live in a world where it's so easy to be negative about the church and negative about the gospel and negative about the things of the Lord. But can I tell you, instead of being negative, we have incredible hope because we have a God whose plans are secure and we have a God whose character never changes and we have a gospel that is incredibly powerful to save people and we have a generation who is fighting back against anxiety, who says, I'm not gonna give up, I'm gonna be creative, I'm gonna be resilient, I'm gonna adapt to the situation, and who love diversity and humility. And that's gonna be a good thing for the church. That's gonna be a good thing for the advance of the gospel. Don't believe the reports you hear about such and such being a threat to the gospel, such and such being a threat to the church. The church of Jesus Christ isn't going anywhere. The gospel of God is secure and strong. He saves and he redeems and he rescues and he sustains his people as we trust in him. What is the gospel message I want you to hear today? It's Jesus' words from Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The story of Mary, the story of Generation Z, the story of every person that you will ever interact with anywhere in the world. People are weary. <laughs> People are burdened. And the call of Jesus is not for them to get their lives together, it's to come to them. And if you're here this morning and you feel weary, weary and burdened, you've not come to a church service where we're gonna tell you to do a list of things to get your life together. What we're gonna tell you right now is to come to Jesus to turn to him, to turn from yourself and believe in Jesus for salvation, that the gospel is good news and we want you to come and trust in him today. We're gonna end our service with a time of prayer. We're gonna have music playing in the background. I want you to take an opportunity to pray with those around you. Parents, if you've got kids in different places in the room, I think this song goes about four minutes. It's gonna play in the background. You've got time to stand up, go find your kids, Pray with them if your kids are around you. If you've got friends around you and you want to spend time praying with them, what are you anxious about? How's God calling you to serve? How's God calling you to be involved, maybe in reaching out to people who are different than you? What, what does that look like in your life? If you need someone to pray with you, just come up here to the front. You'll have a chance to pray at the altar. We want to pray with you. Whatever that looks like, let's respond to the Lord right now. Then I'll pray for us as a final blessing to close us and then, and then send us out. Would you bow your heads right now? I want to pray for you now, then we're going to pray together, and then I'll pray for us one last time. Father, I love the story of Mary. God, I think about the contrast between these male political figures that we see in the Bible stories who are trying to oppress, who are trying to gain power, who are opposed to your kingdom, and here's teenage Mary, who in her humility trusts you and who recognizes what your kingdom is all about. God, would you raise up teenage women and men in our church who are committed to the gospel? God, would you continue to make us a church who values the wisdom of older generations and who loves the lessons that new generations can bring. And God, in a world where people speak so negatively about the church and teenagers and the gospel, 
God, we're not going to do that. We know that your gospel is sure, that your church will never be overcome. And so, Father, we just want to be servants. We just want to be used by you. God, would you bless families as they pray together over the next few minutes, friends as they pray together. Maybe as people are just overwhelmed with anxiety and hurt right now, and they want to come to the front and pray, God, make us a church that prays, and we give this time to you. And may us, would you begin to move, if you want to move around the room, if you want to get with people, if you want to come to the front, there's going to be some music playing in the background. Just use this time however God would lead you, and then I'll close this here in just a couple of minutes. Let's pray together as a church.
Father, thank you for the gift of people praying together as they continue to do that right now. God, we know we all face anxiety and uncertainty in life and, and what it is to continue to trust in you and want to be able to serve you. God, thank you for uh, the women of Christmas and what we learn from your scripture. Father, as you send us out from this place, God, help us to be able to serve you, to love you, to love others. God, I pray a blessing over our lunch that we're gonna be able to have today as a church and the opportunity to go out and share these meal bags in the community, to pray for people this afternoon, to love them, to share the gospel. God, continue to use our church in that way and as you bring us back for Christmas Eve service, God, that we would be able to bring people with us who need to hear the good news of Jesus, the, the hope that comes from that. And so, Father, prepare our church for that. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.